Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing out there today? I'm coming to you from my lovely quarantine studio in the hills of West Orange, New Jersey. And I must say, these days find me thinking about my 95-year-old mom, whose life has not been easy. She's told me countless times that whenever the going gets tough, her mantra has always been adjust, adjust, adjust. And she's always maintained an admirable positive attitude, which I sort of credit for the fact that she's reached 95 with her sense of humor fully intact. And I think she's so wise. So my words to all of you as we begin today in this funky time we're living through is to think about letting go of what you can't control during the shock wave we are all experiencing. Remain focused on your health, your safety, and keeping calm as best you can. And remember to stay thankful. Today, we have an incredibly interesting guest for you who will be speaking to us from Malibu, California. Riz Mirza is widely known as the country's premier trans-channel medium, and he is also an author and a shaman. So there's no doubt that this is going to be one fascinating interview filled with lots of new insights. I've been looking forward to getting Riz on the show because I recently had an interview with his dynamic and vibrant wife, Araya, who is a trauma life coach and more with a spellbinding story of her own. So after you listen to this interview with Riz, be sure to click onto Araya Merz's remarkable open-hearted interview, which is Grief and Rebirth podcast episode 64. Speaking of remarkable, Riz has a new book titled The Nine Keys, Messages from the Spirit Guides to Unlock Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. The Nine Keys contains nine chapters with amazing life-changing channeled words of wisdom from significant heavenly spirit guides. Princess Diana is one of them. Yes, the Princess Diana. And I just love that her channel chapter is dedicated to the subject of healing, which meshes so well with the mission of Grief and Rebirth podcast. Riz and I will surely chat about this and more. But first, let's take a quick moment to show some love to our sponsors. And now I'd like to introduce all of you to premier trans-channel medium, author, and shaman, Riz Mirza. Riz, Riz, it is really wonderful to meet you. Welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Thank you so much, Irene. Thank you for everyone who's watching and hello from California. And it's amazing during this time that we're, we're doing this because 
you know, seeing people get on Zoom or on these video conferencing um, calls just tells me that we have this human desire to connect and it doesn't matter uh, about even distance anymore. And for a long time, I wanted to do my work streaming. You know, most of my work is in person here in California or different places where I go around the world. And for years, people were saying, could you just do more stuff online? And of course, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And so here we are. Here we are. This is so cool, right? Good. So the only thing I'm missing, I mean, I'm connecting with all these people, but I can't hug them. That's the only thing I'm real. That's really tough for me. It'll be soon enough. It'll happen soon enough. Ha oh, I'm going to ask you about that. I'm sure everyone's going to want to know about what's going on, especially from you, Riz, what is going on. We could talk about it shockwave we're experiencing. I'm talking about it. Yeah, I, I really, let's start by introducing people to your background and who you are so they get to know Riz. And I remember so well in your book how when you were a kid, they call you Riz the Wiz. I'll never, uh, I, I, I love that. So you were born with an incredibly amazing gift. Please tell us about your life journey, which led to 13 years of psychic work, becoming a shaman and a trans-channel medium. And while you're at it, how about telling people the difference between a psychic, a medium, a, a trans-channel, and, and etc. So go for it, Riz. All right. I would love to start with that last question first. Okay. We hear this all the time, psychic, medium, and now we're starting to hear the word trans channel, and now we're starting to hear the word shaman. Thanks to some wonderful mediums on television from John Edwards to James Von Prague, and um, over the years there have been other psychics from the Sylvia Brown types to the um, Long Island medium types, but People know the word medium now. They simply know that, okay, that person connects with people who have passed away. Psychic is a different thing than a medium. A psychic is not necessarily a medium. A psychic is a person who is able to receive messages about situations, about people, usually who are, are living, um, even places. So they can feel if that's a good place for you to go, or they can feel what's happening next in your job. Sometimes they can feel what's happening in your health, in your body and they can interpret dreams for you. So that's, there's more things a psychic can do, but then when we go to the word medium, a medium is specifically someone who can com communicate with or receive messages from those who have passed on. There is a, a school of thought that mediums are born but not made. I don't know, I think things are maybe changing. I think you can develop that muscle more. I do believe that while we all are born with an intuition, Everyone who's watching and listening right now, all of you were born with an intuitive sense. And that intuitive sense is, you can call it the sixth sense. So can you strengthen that? Of course you can. Just like everyone can become a better singer, you may sing terribly right now, but if you took singing lessons, you would get better. You may not become a Whitney Houston. There are people born to do that. Just like there are people born to be a John Edwards or a James on Prague. Or a Riz Mirza. Or a Riz Mirza, thank you. That's so sweet. And then you have people who are there to just sing in the shower or sing for the family or sing at Christmas. And those people have lovely voices, but it's meant for their personal kind of uh, life experience. So we can strengthen these abilities. It's very important for everyone to know. Usually it's done through meditation practice. Now let's get into what trans channeling is. 
So channeling, some people may know about channeling, but don't realize they know about it. How is that? So there is a woman whose name is Esther Hicks, who does something called the Law of Attraction. She channels the Abraham books. Now, if you were coming across Esther Hicks on YouTube and you never heard of her, you might just think she's an amazing speaker. There's this great woman who gets up in front of these people and gives this wonderful advice about Law of Attraction. The reason people don't know she's actually a trans channel, a lot of them don't know, is because her voice doesn't change. Now, when she first started, her voice was quite different. It was coming more through more like a man. And then it kind of, she just settled into using her voice. So she goes into a deep trance state. That is what this a trance channel does. They, it's almost like falling asleep, except, and they're, like they're talking in their sleep. So that's the spirit guide is coming through. Now, who are the spirit guides? From what I have personally experienced, the spirit guides are those protective, or uh, I would say, you could call them your guardian angels in a sense, but really they are the souls of higher intelligence, of great, vast wisdom and knowledge that have known you for many lifetimes. And they are with you, guiding you here on the planet to be the best version of yourself that you can be without interfering in your life, right? It's your life, you have free will. So you're sort of hearing from them through your thoughts sometimes, through, yeah. they're giving you messages like that. Well, the way it started was when I was a kid, I would feel presence in the room. Now my parents thought, you know, my parents came over from India and they thought I was too involved in American culture and watching scary movies and it's just in your head because I would tell them I didn't want to go into that room and not because I was scared. There was nothing dark or evil. It was, I just felt like somebody was watching me. And when I was, this is not a story I tell very often, but I will, I feel like I should tell you this story. We had, we were living in the Bronx. Uh, I was born in Harlem. Then we bought this old house in the Bronx in the Kingsbridge section of the Bronx in New York. And this house must've been a hundred years old. So I remember one night walking up to my room in this, and at the top of the stairs in the dark, I literally saw a face in the dark and it was Abraham Lincoln. Wow. And he just appeared and I saw his suit and I saw his tie and it was a, actually quite a beautiful feeling. He's such an, a striking person. And it was as if he was looking at me with kindness and compassion. And then he just faded and I went right to bed I fell asleep immediately. I wasn't scared at all. Now, I told my mom the next day, I saw Abraham Lincoln. You can imagine the reaction, right? And uh, that was it. But my first psychic experience happened when I was seven years old and I was with my mom at a friend's house and we went to someone's house, I think in Queens somewhere. And you're the kid hanging out with your mom and she's visiting her girlfriend and you're bored. And I was just holding on to her hand in the apartment and I remember looking around and I saw this couch and I suddenly blurted out, an old man died on that couch. And the conversation stopped between my mom and her friend and they looked down at me. And my mom was like, what's wrong with you? And a friend said, hold on, my father died on that couch six months ago. And my mom turns to her and goes, he did? And she goes, yeah. And he didn't die in the hospital. That's where he died. And she said, do you see him? Now, I didn't see him, but I felt, 
and I, I said, he, he's good. He's, he's happy. He's happy. And um, all I can tell you is that there's a different feeling when you feel a spirit guide. When, a spirit, when you feel a spirit guide, it's as if the teacher has entered the room. And there's so much love, a kind of thing that you wish all your teachers were like when you were growing up. Um, so that's how I came to know of spirit guides, because when I started eventually jumping a few years, many years later, when I started doing readings, I was just giving straight psychic readings. And I would say, oh, you have a guide with you. I could feel, feel them. I couldn't get the name. I didn't know what they looked like, but I could get the message. Mm -hmm. What happened was after they would leave, I would still feel a presence in the apartment. And I would think, oh, they left somebody here. Except no, it actually turned out was my spirit guides. Wow. Um, I lost my mom at uh, 19 years old. I also lost my brother. And those two, my brother's name was Sal, by the way. And the reason- oh, that's interesting. Right, so when you said your husband's name was Saul, and that's the reason why you're doing your work, well, my brother's name is Sal, and he's the reason I'm doing this work. Because, that's amazing. Yeah, because no he- accidents. <laughs> He had died at the age of 41 suddenly, and it left such a deep vacuum in me that I think that that pain cleared the way for whatever gift it is that I have to open up. I call it opening your channel. And I believe to all, everyone out there who has suffered through pain, I really believe that either your pain will just kill you or your pain will rebirth you. Your pain will either kill well, you. That's why we call it grief and rebirth because it's a choice. Do you want to stay in that pain and let that simmer in you and that is your, your story? Or do you want to use that pain to grow and to heal? And you're meant for, you're not meant to go yet. You're meant for other things. You may be meant to be a role model or be there for someone who's coming forward later on in life, a grandchild or who knows what. So, but now if you think about it, why do we stay in that deep grief and pain? There's a reason we stay in it. Now, the reason we tend to stay in grief and pain is because that grief and pain is a kind of intimacy with the person that we lost. Through the grief and the pain, we feel very connected to them. Now, so why do we have mediums? If the love is so strong between all of us, and then the person crosses over, why aren't we receiving the messages so clearly the way a medium does? Well, it's because the medium is not emotionally involved. So think of it this way, when, and you can just use logic for this. So when we're alive, what is, and we're with our loved one, what is the basis? What is the feeling? What is the frequency of this relationship? The frequency is love, joy, having fun, right? Having a life together. Now, imagine when that person passes over or crosses over to the other side, obviously their vibration gets even higher. The frequency goes up. They're in the light, they're in the joy, they're in the peace. Now, what happens to us? Do we stay this, where we were? No, we actually go down. We go even lower. So now here is this great chasm between us. So the medium is in the middle, right? Neutral. And I never get sad when I do a reading because the person comes through, it's like I'm talk, I can feel them on the phone. They're good. I never feel that pain of it. Interestingly enough, I have a hard time connecting with my mom. Because maybe there's too much emotional stuff and someone yeah. else needs to be that neutral party. There is. Yeah. 
Yeah, there is. So I can't, uh, some, I can't read for myself nearly as well as I read for other people. It's sort of like, you know, massage therapist, you know, he can't <laughs> massage his own back. <laughs> so uh, that's what that is. So trans channeling, let's go back to that. So trans channeling is the channel goes into a trance. They basically, in a sense, leave their body. The spirit guide borrows their body and speaks through them. When I tell people this before they come to my circle of life, so the circle of life is the gathering in LA where I do this, people who have never experienced it before, they go, oh my God, are things gonna start floating up off the table? I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> oh, is his head, kind of mediumship. <laughs> head gonna spin around? And what happened, and I, you know, my voice changes and the accents change. And once it starts, People who never experienced channeling before, invariably after the circle, they'll come up to me and say, I totally relaxed after five minutes. I felt so comfortable. I felt like this was part of our human history. They've said those words to me and I go, it is part of our human history. Um, no matter what background we are from, the roots thousands of years ago as we were tribes, before even religion, the tribal, we sat in a circle around a fire and there was a person who connected to the ancestors and connected to the universe. Those spirit guides are ascended teachers. They come in all shapes and sizes like human beings and all um, manners of speaking and, and their energy you can feel. And I began to channel many years, and this is a good story. So at 26 years old, still grieving for many, many years over the death of my mom. And Can I just ask one question? Sure. Uh, your father was your older brother? Yeah. And how many years were there between your brother's death and your mom's? Ten years. Ten years, okay. So you, you were processing, I just, so that people, our listeners understand the, and okay, and your relationship with your brother. It's gonna be interesting for you guys to hear. So my mom, Okay, so I'm, now it's like 26, somewhere between 26 and 27. I'm an artist, I am a musician, I'm singing in bands. That was my, my, my other gift was music. What did you play? I sing and I play guitar. Okay. I played the violin growing up. I need to know these important things. Yeah, I went to the High School of Music and Art in Manhattan. And um, so that was how I let out my spiritualness, spirituality was through music. So then I go, um, I meet a, a, someone who I became friends with, an older gentleman who was a friend of the family, and he said, hey, you know, I wanna take you somewhere tonight and you can get some answers about your mom and you get some answers about your music career. And I said, oh, like a psychic? <laughs> and he said, no, like it, there's a channel that I know in New York and in New York, his name is Alex Murray. He's still there and he's much older now. And um, I went to Alex Murray's house the Upper West Side of New York, and sat in a circle. And he was this wonderfully charming older man. And he sat down and explained what channeling was. And I was getting nervous. He's going to leave his body and the spirit is going to speak through him. I was getting really kind of freaked out. And it happened. And I'm staring at him like this. You know, the New Yorker in me is going, come on. Is this really happening? Show me, show me the truth thing, right? Right, you know, and he, he kind of goes, puts his head down after the meditation, he comes up and the voice is like this English accent and I'm listening. And as I'm watching him, this is the thought in my mind. 
either this guy is the greatest actor on the face of planet Earth because the expressions, the mannerisms, the cadence, it was beautiful. Or this is real. Now here's how I knew it was real because the wisdom that was coming through, the things that made sense, the insights into life, the universe, healing, grief, death, rebirth, and then the spirit guide went to each person in the room and gave them a message. Now the message wasn't always grandma roses here. It was sometimes you need to understand the balance of your life, especially between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And the person goes, that's when I freak out, right? So it wasn't always about just a loved one passing over or a literal message in the sense of, hey, start drinking carrot juice or your liver's bad. It was about how they tick, what makes them tick. And that's what really, and, and to this day, that's what inspires me the most about readings. We're slowly getting away from just tell me what's gonna happen into how can I rearrange what's going on inside of my thoughts to manifest the life that I want. I find that that's where we're going now, whether it's psychic readings or mediumship or channeling, it is about activating your spirit. Do you think it's because people are becoming more evolved, Riz, or people are becoming more enlightened or aware? I think it's because they're more interested in it. They're always going to be becoming more enlightened and aware because that's just the nature of life. It, it might take you 10 years. Or 10 lifetimes. Or 10 lifetimes. And, or it might take you 10 minutes. It could be a, an epiphany. But I find that uh, where channeling, for me, where channeling became so profound and I revered as an extremely high art, the highest art for myself, personal opinion, when I watch it, was that all these different guides have the love to come through this person who's giving up their body for those two, three hours and speak to us with such benevolence and such wisdom and not just Hallmark card kind of stuff, piercing inside. Like they don't get let you get away with something when you need to look at you. Um, so nine years. So that first time they gave me a message and I really want our viewers and listeners to hear this part. So, the spirit guide goes around the room, gives everyone a message. They're, all the messages are great. Hey, this is gonna happen for you in November. Hey, this person really loves you. Hey, hey, they get to me and the spirit guide pauses and goes, hmm. <laughs> you know, 26 year old me is like, ooh, this is gonna be good. They're gonna tell me the greatest things ever. And they proceeded to just tear me a new one. Really? They just proceeded to tell me basically everything I was doing was wrong, you know, paraphrasing. Um, and this was an intervention. Now here I am, 26 year old kid grieving the death of his mom. Dad kind of went off the deep end. My brothers were, the whole family splintered, um, struggling in New York as a musician. Like, why, why won't I get it? Why, how come I'm not getting the good stuff? And then they threw me a bone. I didn't even know it was a bone. They said, um, that you're going to really affect lots of people. Now, my mind was, right, I'll be on stage, I'll be singing, and that is a religious experience for people. No. I said, so am I gonna get a record deal this year? And they said, no. <laughs> no, they just said no. And no one was getting a no. Everyone else was getting a, well, if you apply this or apply that, mine was no. And I said, well, am I not destined to be a musician? They said, you actually are. 
but you must dedicate your life to the spiritual path first. You might as well have been speaking Chinese to me because I don't know what you're talking about. What is the spiritual life? I'm a good person. And they said, one day you'll be sitting in a chair like this, basically doing what the channel is doing. And at that point I thought, you know, this is really interesting experience. You know, I guess it was worth the 40 bucks. And, uh, and that was it. I felt scolded and I felt like they didn't know what they were talking about. And they said, the last message was, you know, your gift. And that was it. They didn't say the word psychic. They didn't say nothing. And for nine years, Irene, I ran from those messages for nine years. I would go every couple of months to the circle. So you were still doing, you were still doing your music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were encouraging me to do it because they wanted me to tire myself out. Because we're stubborn people, man. We're, we can be stubborn human beings. Or maybe the timing wasn't quite right for you yet. You're right. Because I had to exhaust myself. And that was the only way where it was going to be real for me. It wasn't just taking somebody else's advice. I had to exhaust myself. That brings me to, to wanting to talk to you about, and then of course I ended up doing it and here I am. Yeah, but you led to, from this, it led you to, you started doing psychic work. It did after my brother passed away. So now jump. Not that story because that's what motivated this. That's what was changed everything. Excuse me? That's what changed everything. So now, I'm sorry you lost your brother. How did that happen? Tell me the, the story about that. He was a diabetic since he was a child. And so it was something he was dealing with his entire life. But he had managed it, became, got married, became a dad, was living out in Texas, and was an attorney. And Were you had a close to him? Sorry? Were you close to him? Yeah, he was my hero. Okay. And um, we had our disagreements like any, any siblings. But, um, you know, the shock of when someone leaves in a second, and I, some of you who may be diabetics listening or know someone, they can go into diabetic comas. So literally a cup of orange juice can save a diabetic's life when they start slipping into that diabetic coma. All you have to do is pour the orange juice into their mouth. Now I had done that a hundred times for my brother in the past when he had episodes, but this time living in different states and there was no one around him when this happened and he was only uh, 40 years old. Wow. So the shock of that sent me into a deep depression and I was in a depression for a good nine months. You must have felt so abandoned. I did. You lost your mom, now you, now you lost your brother. And that was it, and it was like there's no sense of, of home, no sense of family anymore, and that life wasn't fair. Were you and, close to your dad, Riz? Yeah, my dad passed away last year, 10 minutes before I was supposed to start a channeling circle. Oh my. And I, I'll tell you that story, I did it, I did do it. I got the call 10 minutes and there's all these people in the living room. And my wife said, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell them what happened. And I was getting, no, I, I, I don't want to go into this news right now. I need to channel. So my channeling was, became a therapy for myself. After my brother passed away, nine months of going into a deep depression, the kind of depression where you're just looking at your feet when you walk down the street, you're not even looking up. And I did that for nine months. Nine months is interesting because that's the time of concept, you know, birthing in the womb. Nine months later, I don't- It also made you withdraw from your current life. 
completely withdrew, completely withdrew. And uh, nine months later, something started happening. I would be sitting on the subway in New York City and I would get this overwhelming, like a voice, right? You know the voice, Irene. And I would want to say to the person next to me, it's going to be all right. I just wanted to say it. I would hold back. And then another time I would sit next to someone on the subway and I want to say the word Sarah to this person. Well, one day I did. I couldn't take it. And I said, hey, can I tell you something? And the person said, uh, yeah, right? New York City subway, man. And I said, look, I think I'm kind of psychic and you may think it's crazy, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you something. Can I tell you something? And they would always say, is it bad? And I would say, I don't know, I don't think so, but you don't have to take it seriously. And they go, okay, what? And I said, the first time I did it, I said, I need to just say the name Sarah to you. And the guy thought this was a prank. He looked around the subway car, like, like obviously it was, it was what I was saying was hitting something. He says to my ex-girlfriend, I said, oh, why is she your ex? He's like, it's a long story. I said, you should call her. Wow. And he said, that's what I've been wondering about for the last several days. And then I, he goes, what else? I said, I got nothing else for you. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> now he's into it. Tell me more. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing else. <laughs> and, um, and then I, he's like, thank you. And I just... I walked off the, the train. It wasn't even my stop, but I you just- You like an angel in his life because you delivered the message that he needed to hear in that moment. One day, maybe, hopefully he married Sarah and they're happy. Um, and so then it started growing. I called Alex Murray and I said, Alex, it's Riz. I have to tell you what's been going on the last year and what happened the last few weeks with my psychic openings. And he said, well, he was so, you know, old psychics are great. They've just been around the block so many times. And he said, well, Riz, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, sooner or later, you're going to get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Which meant it's going to rub off on you, right? And I, and, and I said, Alex, you told me nine years ago I'd be sitting in the chair and you're using a barbershop reference now. And he said, oh, did I say that? He goes, which spirit guide said that? And I told him. So I began to learn that there are spirit guides. Yes, everyone, spirit guides are real and they are around us and, and they have actually communicated with you. Yes, you who is listening. It's just that you didn't know. It was the one, it was the nudge that you felt to go left or right. It was the moment you felt I should call that person or it's the moment you thought you should bite your tongue and you did and it was good that you did. The spirit guides communicate with us in very subtle ways. They don't always hit you over the head with a big booming voice. Once in a while they do, but more often than not, it is through a subtle energy. Now, how do you make that clearer? Well, you have to be more sensitive. You have to be more vulnerable. You have to understand how to enter into a state of grace and peace. And so then you can hear those messages better. That's a mouthful, but. That's a mouthful. That is and entering, especially in these days, entering into a state of grace. Actually, I look at these days as a big bag because so many people are under this incredible stress and they're so upset and there's so many things changing, but there's also, they're also being provided with an opening to change, with an opening maybe to start your healing journey, with an opening to um, 
to learn things you never had time to be open to learn before. My, my work as a shaman, the principle upon which it is based is this. There is magic in all things and many times the magic is hidden. So is there magic in seeing a baby laugh and play? Yes, that magic is obvious. But what's the magic of something painful that happens to you? Well, that magic is hidden. We're and gonna talk about that hidden magic in a little while. I really wanna hear about that. But before we start to do that, for people who are saying, what the heck is a shaman? Could you tell them, Riz, what a shaman does? And could you give us some examples of healing from your shamanic work that people have done so people understand that? Um, and can you do shamanic work from a distance also, or do they have to be in your presence? Okay, so this, the, the term shaman traditionally refers to a person in a tribe or a tribal culture who usually comes from a line of shamans and who does work with from anything from the medicines from the earth these can be simple herbs. These can be even what people refer to as psychoactive plants, right? In the jungle now, there's a huge trend of going to South America and working with a shaman and drinking a tea and having visions. Now, John Hopkins is talking about psychoactive medicines as being the future of mental health. You can look all of that up. So that's one aspect of shamanism. Another aspect is to sit with you and talk to you actually just talk to you about your soul. That's a part of shamanism. Another part of shamanism is to lay hands on you. The shaman's work from morning to night is to see life as an experience, almost like a dream, right? It's like a dream. It, it is like we are all souls that are here to learn something. And they approach life from this perspective that everything is created by spirit for us. So when they are laying hands on you, they're transferring energy into you, but it's almost like they're unlocking a block in you the way a massage therapist has to touch you. And, some and it can brighten your mood after a really great massage. You can just feel so healing. A, sh a shaman can physically touch you, but they also can lay hands on you, meaning they're not touching you physically, maybe a few inches above your body, and they do energy work. Sometimes they don't even need to move their hands. It is mental. I've seen so many things, miraculous kinds of healings happen from this. So a shaman now in modern terms, a shaman is, is really a person who helps you become who you really are. Oh, that's very cool. Now, did you learn to be a shaman after you started trans-channeling? I did. So what happened to me, what's unique about my experience is no, I don't come from a line of shamans in the in the native sense i look like one of my hair and my beard and my beads i know that I, I look like what you would expect a shaman to look like but shaman can you know look like anyone there's no look to a shaman anymore it's what's going on inside of them what their connection is so what happened to me was what really helped heal my mom's passing for me is that i went into a trance channeling state i was in the forest in another country I was in one of those shamanic experiences and I laid on the, on the ground in that forest and it was as if the spirit guide shaman started transferring energy into me. It was a mystical experience. And mind you, I'm completely open at that point in my life to mystical experiences, but I was a kid from the Bronx, very hardcore New Yorker. Um, it was, I approached everything with an open mind, but 
not skepticism, but discernment. So when this happened, there was no doubt, not a shred of doubt. And you know that feeling, Irene. I do. I know that there is way more than this here. There's no one after you have an experience like that who can tell you any different. And if they try to tell you different, you're just going to go, well, you just don't know. But just for people who are following this story and, and listening, were you really in a foreign country when this yeah, happened? Yeah, physically was. Usual took you there. You were really, this really happened to you like? Really physically happened. Wow. Laying on the ground in the forest, having an out-of-body experience. Wow. Were you all by yourself? No, I had a group of friends, but they had wandered off. Oh, okay. That would have been an interesting experience for that. Well, they, they knew what was happening. And when they came back, I had tears streaming down my face, but I was laughing. Not because I was, I was laughing at something so funny. The tears were like a release of, a, of the soul. And the laughter was like the greatest scenes of any movie you've ever seen where the person has a revelation. It was the most beautiful experience of my life. I healed so much that needed to be healed. And I dedicated myself to listening and mm -hmm. helping and that's how the next close to 15 years developed um i wish i had had a mentor working with me personally but actually i did except his name was red eagle and he was a spirit guide that i was channeling and which is fascinating because in your book uh, red eagle has an amazing chapter and we're going to talk about your book in a bit sure. but i want to um and and you describe what you experience when you channel the other question I wanted to ask you is, you give your body and your voice over to the guides you're channeling or to whoever you're channeling, but there are channels who don't do that. They, yes. they, they, they remain, because when my book, a large uh, a part of my book was channeled, and right. she didn't give her whole, I mean, Saul and my husband Saul and other um, people would come through like so easily through her and her her hands would fly over the keyboard, blah, blah, blah. But she didn't give her whole body up to that. Yes. So it's a different style or a different choice. You know what I think helped me was when I was uh, growing up in New York, my music and art was everything to me. So theater was everything to me. I was physically open to letting my body do that. Right? Because you're a musician or you're in a play or you're a painter, which I was all three of those things. You just, you are an open vessel. Now- because you're channeling anyway. Yes, it also has to do with, we're gonna dive into a lot of things during this podcast. Your astrological chart, wow, has a lot to do with how open you are to, for that kind of channeling. I had lunch with an amazing astrologer. She's quite famous, her name is Susan Miller. And years ago by chance, weird story, I ended up at lunch with her and she had never seen my work. And she said, tell me your birthday and your birth time. This woman is incredible. She could do your chart in her head. Wow. So she was sitting at lunch and she, I said, oh, at the end of it, I, I told her, well, you should come and um, see, see my work sometime. She goes, I don't need to. She goes, your planet, this is in that house and that's in that house. She goes, that's a perfect alignment to be a really fantastic trans channel. She goes, wow. I, know, I know how good it'll be. Um, I will come if I can one day, but I already know it. And so apparently in that, your astrological chart has a lot to do with this. That's a whole other discussion. But That's another interview, Riz. Hmm? That's another interview. 
Let's do it. So the channel. We could definitely do a whole interview about astrology and all. I like to leave my body because, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to sleep while you work. <laughs> That's so interesting. I want to ask you, when you channel, and from the information you get, and then I want to go on to the subject of fear, but when you channel the information you get, is there religion on the other side? Do we cross um, over? Are we? Do we say Catholic? Do we say? Yes, there, is, there is a religion. It's called love. Ah. And it is the way of life of the afterlife. Religion, and many people listening, we're all raised in different religions. But I will tell you, I'm just going to tell you as a medium, that I have gotten not this, this information not just once, but dozens of times from people who have crossed over, who have said there is no religion. And they say, don't get so used to the background, the gender, the body, the face, or the name that you think you are. There's more. You are not those things. So we're all, you know, here I am, this man in this, you know, Indian body, and here you are in, in your Jewish background and everybody else. And guess what? Don't get too used to it. It's just this time around. It's just this time. Next time I maybe look like you and you may look like me, and um, we probably already have done that. So the other side isn't about um, identifying in that way. It is about oneness. And one of the messages that the guides have spoken about, and Red Eagle had said that for, for centuries, religions have been saying there is one God or that, you know, there's one God. And the actual meaning, the actual message was, was that oneness is God. When you feel oneness, then you will know God. When you feel oneness with all, then you'll know God. So this is very much how I, I try to live my life. And it's always just about reminding yourself, everyone. There are a lot of spiritual teachings, but you'll forget a lot of them as the day goes on and things bug you. But it's about remembering them and taking a deep breath. That deep breath is the key to everything to everything, it will instantly calm you down. Take a few deep breaths through the day, bring this practice in. You don't have to overwhelm yourself with spiritual exercises when the breath is the main one, actually. Do you meditate every day, Chris? I do, I do meditate every day. You follow uh, a certain format or a... Yeah. Say, what does Riz do? Maybe I wanna do the same thing Riz does. Well, I, I, it to, I, started, I started telling it to you, I, it is through the breath. Sometimes my meditation, literally, it's for, 90 seconds and i've meditated for hours in my life without moving a muscle that was when i was training you know myself but the meditation is something that you can slip into when you just let go and you surrender now you go how do you surrender i go come back to the breathing look you guys you have youtube go to youtube and type in breathwork meditation. There'll be dozens of teachers who it's for free. It's on YouTube. Put your headphones on. There's great meditations where that'll help you go to sleep. Just take that step and you don't even have to leave your bedroom. That's great. In these days, Riz, during these days where the world feels upside down, yeah. how can a person find freedom from fear? including fear of the scary challenges many of us are facing during this time. And have you received any pertin pertinent insights or guidance 
that you can share with us regarding the shockwave affecting all of us on this planet? So currently, if you think about what's happening on the planet, this is the first time in human being history where every single person, regardless of background or geographical location, is experiencing the same situation. That's what the corona pandemic is. First time in history. What other time in history? Not, there were countries that weren't even in the world wars or were only indirectly affected. It's talking about, it's like a great equalizer. It is a great equalizer. Now, some will say, but we're not equal in this. What about those who have so much wealth that doesn't even affect them? Listen, just understand how it affects you. Don't worry about them. There's plenty of billionaires on the planet who had several past lives where they were dirt poor. And this is a lifetime they're going to be billionaires. It's not your concern. It's not about you. This is their path. They don't have to share their wealth. They don't have to do anything. This is their karmic path. You can have abundance for yourself, no matter what anybody else is doing. And you will define what abundance is. So there are a lot of theories about how um, this all happened. Some people believe it's a conspiracy theory. This was unleashed upon us. Some people believe it's about the vaccines or Bill Gates. And some people believe it's about world domination or chipping us. Some people believe that it's just an accident. Some people think it's God. Some people think it's the devil. Some people think it's just a scientific anomaly that happens. Okay, we're not here to talk about which one is true or how it, uh, and how it happened. I'm only interested in why it's happening to you. To you. I've got, I understand why it's happened to me. So I go into why is this happening to me specifically, Rizmirza, what is going on for me? I'm just going to share it with you. Really understanding on a deeper level what matters the most. Number two, appreciating being inside and appreciating being outside. Just for me. Wait, wait, go back there. Appreciating being inside, physically inside? Yes. I yep. can't look at this as, um, are you comfortable with yourself? Sure. Are we're you, all inside and we're, we, we have to be, are you your friend during this? Yes. So for me, it was also about reconnecting with my creativity. Look, I'm a, I, I'm a stepdad five, to, to five young people. And I have a business and I have, um, just like anyone else, worked for a living and worked very, very diligently for a living since I was 16 years old. Grew up pretty poor in an urban neighborhood in the Bronx and came up to whatever this is, living here in Southern California, seeing the ocean, whatever it is, I, I still am grateful for all of it, every step of the path. And I will say this to you, that the why is up to you. Why it's happened is about what is, how it can affect you personally. How will you make this situation be a blessing for you? Now, maybe someone has passed away that you know. I had a friend who I just found out two weeks ago was an old friend of mine for 20 years who passed away from COVID. Wow. Died alone in a Brooklyn hospital and no one could go see him and his family was in India for all those years. And I thought, wow, I hadn't called him you know, friends drift. Uh, I figured we eventually we would talk, but we didn't. And um, it, it made me, I did pause, even as a medium, and I'm so used to hearing about death and grief. It never, um, 
I'm never desensitized to it. So this is about how deep do you want to go with yourself during this corona? Is it that if you're not making money, is that going to be the number one thing for you? It could be. I'm not here to argue with you. Maybe that's it. You, you just draw the line at, I'm not making money. Okay, fine. Or you're just consumed with making money and anybody else doesn't matter to you. I'm not even here to judge it. Okay, then figure out if it's for you and money is everything for you and you're figuring it out, then you need to figure out how to have peace here. And if your peace is only going to come from they're going to fix everything, then that's not peace because then they can take it away from you. So understanding self-creation during this time is very, very important. I've known several people who they quit, their, they, they got fired, obviously, or they got let go, right? Because there's no more work. But they're becoming entrepreneurs now. They're mapping out their plans. I was thinking I'm going to do this in five years, Riz, but I'm going to do it now because I have to. We started off this podcast and I said, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So how you, will you find the magic in this situation for you? How will you? I have found magic in losing most of my family members' deaths. So what do you got? Corona? Are you kidding? I got my life out of 90% of my family passing away, which was the most painful thing anybody can ever experience. Yet I am living and I got my entire life out of it. Right. And each of these people was a gift in developing who you are. Oh my God. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it to this day that they, because they were so unlike me and so different and with values that were so different than mine. And Red Eagle had said a very interesting thing. Someone had asked him, why do I, why do we all have these kinds of family members? Why do we have the families that we have? Like out of frustration, she said it. Cause she was like 90% of us just can't stand our families. <laughs> and so Red Eagle said this, and I share this with all of you. The reason you have the family members you have is because the great spirit wanted you to get to know intimately people with whom you would never choose to associate with otherwise. And then perhaps even to love them. Wow. That's the brilliant. Wow. Right. Because most of us, we would never, most of us would never pick to become friends with whoever our parents were. Like if you met your parents, but they weren't your parents, you wouldn't like become best friends with them and listen to everything they say, right? I wouldn't have been friends with my brothers. But when I realized, wow, that, that made sense. And now I can actually appreciate them and see what's so wonderful about them. It's sort of like a huge lesson in acceptance. Thank you. I had a very abusive father and um, I've done a lot of healing on account of it. And I know that I, uh, part of my growth has been to understand where he was coming from and now accept it and be grateful because if I hadn't experienced him and hadn't healed, I wouldn't have this passion for other people to begin their healing journeys because I know what a difference it can make. So now I actually have moments when I'll say to myself, I'm actually grateful for my father in my life. I didn't feel that way when I was crying and struggling and suffering in my childhood, but now I can look back on it and I can see the lessons I learned. And it gave me tremendous insights about circumstances that people face that I yeah. wouldn't have before. Because I would say to you, Irene, you as a soul and your dad as a soul 
before your dad was even born when he was a little boy. So you were, where were you in the universe? Who knows? So before you were born, before he was born, you two signed a contract. We call this a soul contract. And all psychics and mediums know about it. Yes. Contract. Now you're not going to remember the contract. Otherwise, what's the point? You got to not remember because you got to actually experience it totally fresh when you come onto the planet. The soul contract is you're going to, you're going to hurt me and you're also going to help me. And you're also going, you're just going to be who you are and whatever happens between us is part of it. We come together for both of us to have self-realization. Self-realization. I'll tell you a little, just a little tidbit because this is so much fun we're talking and I don't usually um, speak as much about my own history. Yeah. But you're bringing it out of me, Riz. But um, after my husband died and I, I was working with, uh, I met a medium, I was just beginning my journey and uh, I, I was at a retreat in uh, Sedona, Arizona and I mm. walked into a room, she was uh, doing her sessions in a hotel room and as I walked into the room, she immediately, and I was estranged from my father when he died, and she immediately said to me, um, before I start, I know you're here to communicate with your husband, but there's another soul here, and he will not let me speak until he gets said what he needs to say. And he's sitting in a big chair. My father was handicapped. He always used to sit in a big chair in our house. And there was such fear as we would go by, you know, and blah, blah, blah. He's sitting in a big chair, which was his way of letting me know. And right away, I burst out with, Dad, get out of here. I don't want to hear from you. I don't, I, go away. And she said, wait, he says he'll leave, but he has to say something to you. And this was just right in the beginning of my journey, Riz, way before the podcast. And he said to me, um, I'm learning a lot from being with you. I'm on the other side. I'm learning a lot from being with you and don't stop doing what you're doing. You're helping me and you're going to help a lot of other people. And at that time, I had no idea what that was about. Right. He left. That's what, that was my same thing that when, when Alex channeled that guide, and had said, you're gonna affect all these people. Um, I thought, well, I guess maybe if I'm singing somewhere. So, you know, that message came through, uh, came true uh, all these years later. So I did take my life, did take the spiritual path. And in the past year, past actually six months, I started making music again. And people were like, is it, oh, it must be this really spiritual music. Well, it is, except it's like hard rock. <laughs> <laughs> And that is spiritual. You know, this thing about people and what is spiritual. Spiritual is that which affects your spirit, where you find the truth and the connection in it and a freedom and a peace and a oneness with yourself. That is where something is spiritual. So a bite of a certain food, it's a, it's a religious experience. A concert is a religious experience. Painting a picture can be a, a, an act of devotion and gratitude. All of this, it is now so many people during this lockdown i one of my things that i tell people is find your freedom in the lockdown right the lockdown doesn't mean you're locked down it means you can find your freedom in this so then what you're saying to them is they don't have to sit in fear necessarily or stagnation or, or stagnation. they can change their mindset about it and say okay 
if this is a schoolroom and I'm supposed to be learning lessons and this is part of my own, I'm being given, uh, let me look at this instead of a tragedy as an opportunity. Some people don't want to see planet Earth as a school, Irene. They don't. They just want to see it as this is where I come to get everything that I want. And what they end up finding out, even those who get almost, there are people who got everything they wanted. Everything they wanted. There was a, there was a musician some years ago. Um, his name was Kurt Cobain. Do you ever hear of him? Yes. He sang in a band called Nirvana. Now, the word Nirvana means the highest state of enlightenment in heaven, by the way. Not even, most of his fans don't even know what that word means. It's an ancient Sanskrit word. So it means the highest state of enlightenment in heaven. Now you listen to the music, he was dressed like he hadn't showered in four weeks. And it was like, you would consider it's, it's really noisy, which is, of course, the young people, it was symphonic. And for the older people, it was noise. That's always means it's good rock and roll. The older people hate it. It's good rock and roll. <laughs> Did you know through that rock and roll, you're communicating with people who can't, that's how they can receive the message. Right. So I want to talk about Kurt Cobain for a moment because you talked about some of the famous people that I, are in my book. So, and, and Kurt Cobain is going to be in the next book, by the way. So we're going to uh, interview you for that. Great. So okay. Kurt Cobain, um, basically he had everything that most people want. And I want you to really hear this. He had material success. So he made millions doing something that he loves. Oh, okay. That almost eliminates 90% of the people on planet Earth. Material success, doing something he absolutely loves. He had something as an artist that most artists never get. And artists, I mean, you know, people in popular culture. Most artists either get critical acclaim or the popular vote. Those who are popular, don't, critics don't like him. Those critics like, the, the people don't really like it. He had both. The critics thought he was amazing. The people thought he was amazing. He married his twin flame, his soulmate, Courtney Love. You don't need to be spiritual to look at those two people and go, they're perfect for each other. They mirror one another. Then he had a beautiful child. Oh, sounds like everything that we all want. Family, perfect partner, um, fulfillment and self-expression at work and also material success and wealth without selling out who it is that you are. And what did he do? Took himself out with a gun. So wait a second, somebody who had everything that we all want. Now someone will say, well, but he just was mentally stable. What, unstable? Well, that's relative. I mean, are you mentally stable? How do we know? I mean, he's certainly mentally stable enough to manifest every single thing that almost everybody wants in this life, but he's not mentally stable enough to what? To love himself enough to stay around. To receive it. You don't even have to love yourself to enough to stay around. You just have to love everybody else. You could just love everybody else. If you're working on the love for yourself, you can stay because you love other things and other people. He couldn't receive it. Couldn't. Yeah, you're right. I was, that, your, your perception's right. He couldn't receive the love that was there for him. That's interesting. I tell people, people, uh, one of the things that I work on with people as a shaman is they say, I want to believe in myself. If I just had the confidence to do what I want to do with my life. So I give them an example. 
because I make, I always like to make bold. My work as a shaman is I like to stir it up in you. <laughs> so I tell you, you don't need to believe in yourself to make it. And they say, what are you talking about? I go, you don't need any confidence to make it. They go, what are you talking about? I go, I'll break it down for you. Okay. So you're told you have to work hard. You're told you have to have what it takes and know it. You're told you have to really um, go for it. Okay. All right. So let's take the, the example of a professional model. So you have a person, a lot of top models were literally from some small town in Wisconsin, something like that, right? They have a lot of stories like that. She would have been maybe content with, I don't know, whatever job she would have had in her small town, marrying the guy who works at the you know, auto parts store and having some kids and then her kids go to the same school as her kid that she went to. Nothing wrong with that life but a lot of models have this story. No interest in modeling. And then they get discovered, right? Because there's just something there. They don't know how to pose, they don't know how to dress, they don't know how to walk, they don't know how to talk. They're taught those things. And they're placed in the situation. And how many girls did you know, or guys, but let's just say it was women, because it seems to be more popular, who were beautiful, but were completely insecure? Yes, you're right. So a lot of models, I live in LA. A lot of them have been my clients. And, and you will find that many of them have a great deal of insecurities. Just like we all do. But I'm just saying, they're known for their looks. They're getting proof. It's for not everything the rest of us want, and they're still... Okay, but we're only talking about what it takes to make it. Let's not even go into the soul of this at the moment. So I've often asked them, like, so do you feel confident when you walk down the runway? They're like, no, I'm just faking it. Oh you know you're getting paid $10,000 to go to that shoot today, right? Yeah. Nothing is going in there, but they're successful. They didn't want to be, a, they didn't even want to be a model. They just fell into it. They didn't think they were beautiful enough. They don't even think they do it well. So how the hell are they successful? You were told growing up, do what you do well, have confidence in yourself and then work really hard. But a lot of people do that and they don't get successful. Right. So here is why some of the people that you guys know that have some of the things that you want, but you can't seem to get it for yourself and you can't figure out for the life of you how the other person got it. You think either they cheated someone or they did whatever. No, it's that they are very flexible. They may not be as nice as you or as pretty or as handsome as you or as a good person as you, or as smart as you, or as clever as you, they don't need to be, they're open, they're flexible. They're not taking it so seriously. And that control is where you will find the bottlenecking of energy, the stopping of the flow of universal life force, which is free, fluid, open, graceful. So you're saying that people who have control issues yeah, but the control is the control is a tightness, right inside of themselves that they have to. That everything is so dependent. It's an illusion because what we only have control over our attitudes. We really have very little. Control. That is right. So then, how do you become flexible? How do you not be stubborn? How do you not be tense or tight? Like my mother, adjust, adjust, adjust. That's right. That's right. Adjust, adjust, adjust. So. 
when we're so stuck to, but I'm this, but I'm that, but I'm this. That's not my style. That's not my look. That's not my intention. That's not my truth. That's not my authenticity. Well, is what you're doing now all of that? No, I want to, I want to do my own truth. Well, what's stopping you from your truth? Oh, now see, we came full circle back to you're controlling it and it's tight and it has to be a certain way. One of the things that I was blown away by when I started channeling people that were kind of well-known, I found a belief it, um, in my, that I was holding, which was, it can't be that person. As if that person's not a person just because they were famous. I've channeled other people. I can channel Red Eagle or a spirit guide who were not quote unquote famous on earth. But why wouldn't I be able to cha channel a message from Charlie Chaplin or Helen? Which is going to bring me, I want to talk about your book, which is going to bring me right to your book. In your book, The Nine Keys, messages from the spirit guides to unlock your life and awaken your soul. There are insightful and piercing channeled messages from nine significant heavenly spirit guides, including Princess Diana, Helen mm. Keller, mm. Charlie Chaplin, and Martha Washington, everyone. Please tell us about each of those nine messages, Riz, and whose insightful message resonated the most with you. And then I want to talk with you about Princess Diana. Okay, so uh, I had channeled uh, in this book, and you might find this really strange. I haven't read the whole book yet. <laughs> now, now that I'm getting to know you, I don't find that to be <laughs> Well, I haven't read it. Basically, what I did to write this book, because I'm a trans channel, means it means I kind of, uh, I check out. And so what I did was, I was in my home or in my study or in my bedroom, and I would record myself going into the trance. So I, and it's all transcribed in the book. So you'll open a chapter and you'll hear me say, well, I'm laying down now. I'm hearing the birds outside. And this is exactly the way I did it. One not, nothing has been edited. And I, I like it, things that, like that. So I was uh, just going into the state of being open. And then we would record whatever I said in trance. And then I would have that transcribed. So I didn't write this book. This book was written through me. Right. And, Which happened to me also with my book. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So you know that. So then, so I haven't, just because life, and I know when I'm supposed to read it, I've read probably half the chapters. Um, this comes through uh, that when I saw that I channeled a message from Princess Di. I wasn't some big Princess Di fan. I didn't know, I loved her energy, but I wasn't like looking into her life. Um, Charlie Chaplin also didn't know much about him, but I felt him with me for years. Princess Di was a surprise in this book. Martha Washington was a huge surprise. Wowie, yeah. You know, really? It feels so random. But wow, wouldn't she have a story to tell? And she talked about home. Right. What is, the, what is it like to be the first first lady, to be with a man such as George Washington in, in the land of, of what was came to be known as, as the 50 states eventually? What was it like at that time? And her idea of what home was and the feeling of home. So when Princess Diana came through, I was blown away. I was really, really touched. What did she feel like to our people? Our I don't know what she felt like, and it's really great. She literally felt like one of those um, Celtic 
fairies that flies around the trees <laughs> from old Ireland. She had this, it wasn't English feeling, it was like she was magical. It was like the Princess Di thing was a disguise. It was, she was this magical fairy that came through and had to go through and the pain that she went through, which was like her final ascension into her becoming a spirit guide. Wow. So people become spirit guides. This was her, her final exam was this lifetime. Could oh, she's she, not coming back. No, no, she's not coming back. That's interesting because we all get to a certain point and we don't come back. My, um, she said something, and I don't know if you remember it now because you didn't read the whole book, but she said something that knocked me out. And in her chapter, which is called The Key to Healing, Princess Di says, you must be unafraid to die to truly live. That is so profound. And, it re and so can you, can you tell us how that relates to the concept of healing? And, yeah. I, and if there are other takeaways from Princess Di that you'd like to share with, with our listeners? Yes. Um, I actually remember that now. So there are two kinds of death, right? There's the physical death and there's something that we are now calling a spiritual death. And everyone listening, you have gone through a spiritual death. It was when you went into the dark night of the soul and you came out the other side. Sometimes some of you are having a spiritual death right now the last few days, but you don't know what's going on. You think you're in a funk. You're not in a funk. You are in a spindle of your spiritual death. You have many, you have many. It's not just one or two big ones. You have little ones and you have some big ones. It's okay. It's part of how you're made, the way the tree in the autumn loses its leaves and then falls to the ground and it's bare in the winter and then rejuvenates in the spring. That is all part of it. It doesn't mean that the winter tree is not beautiful or magical. It's beautiful in all of its stages. Learn this. If we learn how to move through a feeling that's called a spiritual death with an awareness, if we learn this, we will have a much more peaceful, flowing, graceful, again, life. Now, Princess Di, interesting, we called her Di, right? The word Di. Yeah, that's, I, I never thought about that, but that's true. Princess Diana, Princess Di, Princess yeah. Di. And so now she, here she is going, her life on display for everyone with a man who it's pretty clear they're not right for each other, but the world is regarding it as the great romance. Remember that wedding? I remember my mom woke me up, I think I was in fifth grade, to watch it on television. And I was bleary, you know, bleary eyed watching, like, Oh yeah, it looks like a fairy tale. Right. People lived through that with her. She, she became a symbol of strength and vulnerability together. Together. We don't like if a few people talk about us gossiping. Can you imagine the entire world putting your face, when you wake up in the morning, your face is on every newspaper and lies are written about you? How does one rebirth from so much public scrutiny and humiliation, also balanced by great love. And this, this huge behemoth entity called the monarchy, which has so much history, and then there's you. She shook the whole thing up. The entire thing. She won. The monarchy and its legacy could not take away the legacy of Princess Diana. 
it didn't matter anymore about whether she was in the royals family or not. She, she was the queen. She became the queen to yeah. us. So when she came through for this to talk about healing, I thought it was interesting because I never would associate healing with, with Princess Diana, but of course it is about that. Of course, to hear someone of her nature talk about healing and that you must not be afraid to die in order to truly live. So she took this huge chance by being with um, Dodi Fayed um, after being with such a staunch Englishman. Now she was with this yeah. Arab businessman, right? Um, and she showed that love knows no bounds. And to say that, I think she's a great, great inspiration for us to think about it. People say, well, if I had that life, things would be easy. No, it would be harder. It would be harder because you have a hundred times more things to, and people to deal with. And you don't even, don't even know who your friend is. So the healing aspect of that, um, I can talk a lot about this. What do you want to ask me about the, the books itself? Yeah. Um, when she said, you must be unafraid to die to truly live, uh, would that mean to people, so someone listening to this, what does that mean to this person? Like, okay, I could die tomorrow. I'm not supposed to be afraid of that or um, understand that this is just my path or uh, for people who are afraid of getting coronavirus. Uh, oh, well, if I die, you know, how, how would that interpret to what we're going through now um, to these days? Okay, so- And, and how would that interpret to uh, the importance, she's talking about healing, the importance of healing in a lifetime. We're here. Why should we go out of our way to try to heal in this life, to recognize that we have places we need to heal and to seek people who can help us or to address that issue before we go? I mean, I put it very simplistically. I want to heal because I don't want to meet some of the same turkeys the next time around. Right. That That's is right. And you don't want it. You're just tired of being tired of the pain and tired of the drudgery. Of course, it can be a very basic answer because you want to feel better. Everything is an attempt to feel better or raise your vibration from where you are. Every move, you're listening to this podcast. And while you're listening to this, you're going to be thinking about, part of you is thinking about what you're going to do after. And what you're going to do after, whether it's an obligation to your family or to your job, is still so that your life can flow better. Therefore, you will be better whether it's you want to go escape and smoke a joint or you want to go for a run. It's still so that you can feel better. It might be so that you want to go give somebody a hug. It's still so that you will feel better. Now, what about the people who take their own life? It's still so that they can feel better. Because to them, death is better than this. Now, some people will say, well, it's not about the afterlife for me. I just, I just, I don't care about the afterlife. I don't believe in it. I just want to be dead. Okay, you're entitled to your belief, but you still want to feel better because that's still a better choice than this, right? So you're, it's programmed in our nature to want to be better, feel better, and do better. Always. Even people who do drugs are just trying to feel better. Oh, absolutely. I believe that. I, I, I think that the reason that people, if you want to feel better, healing is a way of feeling better. Yes. And uh, lifting yourself up above 
not living in that pain. Though it's not an easy thing to heal. Sometimes it takes, and talk about fear. Sometimes you have to overcome a lot of fear because it takes a lot of courage to face yourself. Yes, it does. And it, it also, you would have to restructure the entire framework through which you see life. Now, we are not taught this. What if we were taught this when we were in kindergarten? Okay, try this on for size. What if when you were in kindergarten, nursery school, first grade and second grade, think about those fears right now. Remember your little self and all the people around you. What if you saw the adults when a person died, like the tribes in Africa, who many of them, and South America, celebrated and danced at the funeral, this jubilant dance, and said, they get to see the ancestors. Oh, I wish I could go see the ancestors, but when it's only when it's my time. That's how they saw it. Their grieving period was very short. They were almost like, wow, you get to go? The bear came and killed our tribesmen, Red Eagle said. Yeah, and they said, the bear was the transporter of the soul. It was the bear's sacred duty to take this tribe's person out. Did they end up killing the bear? Many times they did, but they, they understood it was a sacred contract. They didn't do it out of anger. And they said, when it's our time to go, whatever consumes us will take us there. But we are not raised to believe that birth and death are the same doorway. The doorway. So Riz, people who are dying from COVID, in most cases, is it their time to go? And the other question I have is, even though we're suffering because we can't physically say goodbye to them, their ancestors and their loved ones on the other side are carrying them over. They're fine. It's the soul leaves the body, they come forward. When the soul is about to leave the body, the spirit guides do come forward and bring you across that threshold. It is, some of you already know this. Some of you maybe have heard it from a loved one. But mediums, this is something that we experience our whole life. We see this happening. So people say COVID. Well, man, you know, a lot of people are passing away today from other diseases, cancer, way more than COVID. There's probably what? How many more times? Let's take a guess. 10 times, 100 more times death of cancer today than COVID. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about COVID. Uh, why? Why are we not just talking about the number one killer? We're not talking about heart disease. Even if you said Riz, but what about the people of heart disease who have died? Your audience wouldn't even have a feeling about that because they're not riled up about heart disease. They're only riled up about COVID because it's the current thing. And they feel that COVID may strike them. That's right. Well, cancer can strike They're going to get cancer or they're going to get heart oh. disease. Cancer can strike you at any time. There's carcinogens everywhere, and you know it, it makes no sense. We all have that. Have had the uncle who smoked two packs a day, lived to ninety, and could kick your ass even at ninety. Like, well, how come he didn't get lung cancer? Then there's an eighteen-year-old who gets it. Like, what's going on? So science will try to research this, but what the spiritual teaching and the shamanic teaching is, is that there is a choice that the soul makes that the personality does not. What does that mean? This lifetime, you are a personality expressing itself here. But the soul is not the personality. You were maybe in Roman times, maybe you were in Africa, maybe you were an old Asian man in your last lifetime. 
That's the soul expressing itself in the personality in each incarnation. The soul makes a choice to continue onward. The personality doesn't. Nobody is going to say, well, I plan to, you know, my brother didn't think, well, tomorrow, you know, it'd be fine if I, if I died. And your, your husband didn't think that it would be fine. But the soul is a different conversation. It's the larger aspect of who you are. And that one, that the soul knows something. The soul knows where it is time to go forward. So the soul would prompt someone like to listen to a podcast like this to be exposed to healing and the personality makes the choice of whether they're going to go further or yeah. the soul makes a choice whether to see someone like you to get uh, and I to, to get more information and, and further insights but then the personality decides to act on it or not has the choice to like you did when you first got the message and you chose to ignore it. Well, it sounds like we're kind of going into the realm of the idea of uh, some, some variation of free will. Uh, like, are we destined to do something or not? I believe, and this is from the channelings and it makes sense to me, that we choose the basic structure of our life before we are born. What does that mean? the main immediate family members, the demographic, the ethnicity, the background, certain physical qualities or handicaps, whatever they may be, we all have some. Um, to live in, you're gonna get the basic structure from which you're going to experience life as it needs to be experienced for you. That's your, it's through this body, through this skin color, through this background, you're going to filter the information and then you're gonna break free from that identity. Some people break free from the identity in this life, physical life, and some people break free only when they cross over. So Buddha, you know, when I see Buddha, he never looks like Buddha. He looks like some like 13 year old kid running through a city and, and laughing and doesn't even look Asian. Now people go, I told people, I said, Buddha is even tired of the, his old identity. You don't need to stick to yours. You don't even need, you don't even know what Buddha looks like. It's the form you choose to take. Speaking of which, everyone should go watch a movie called What Dreams May Come. I saw that, it was wonderful. I agree with you. I, I think that a medium must have consulted on that film because 90% of it, you know, in my humble opinion, 90% of it is pretty accurate as to what experiences, what you experience on the other side. It's a Robin Williams film Robin Williams is a spirit guide. Are you kidding? Um, I'm waiting for him to come through you. I, I believe next book. Because he's been hinting at it in different meditations for me. So I think that would be incredible. He, um, he made that film and it went over everybody's head when it came out. Nobody was ready for it. And it won, the, it won the Oscar for best art direction or something, but nothing else. And it should have won best picture. It is a remarkable, remarkable milestone in thinking and teachings. It actually really captures um, the, um, the mindset, how we create our reality and the illusions and the delusions that we, that we have. And, and there was healing in that movie too. And, and uh, you're right. I, I absolutely, I'm remembering it. You're absolutely right. It's a wonderful art is, art is the Art is our way now. Popular culture is the, is the medium through which 
um, we communicate these messages. And, you know, writing the book, The Nine Keys, was really for me, and finally of, um, I, I wanted to channel one book by each guide. And then the part that, that stayed me with, with me was, oh, but it'd be so enjoyable for every chapter, there's a different guide. Well, I just want to tell everybody, because we're going to have to end this soon. I could talk with you, Riz, but people will, will be confused. I'll do another one over the summer or something. We'll have to do more, but I just want to tell people that the different, um, the different uh, messages that Riz gets from all these amazing spiritual guides, one is about gratitude, one is about peace, one is about creativity. Absolutely, Charlie Chaplin communicated about humor. About humor. Oh. Helen Keller, the key to understanding. I mean, that is a profound chapter. Let's talk about that just for a second. Go for it. Helen Keller channeled the entire chapter on the key to understanding. And who better than her than to speak about how to understand anything? Absolutely. So please, if you're going to get the book, get it even just for that chapter. Yeah. And, and then, of course, we have, um, we have the key to change, which is so important to know about because the only thing in life that doesn't change is that everything changes. And that's about your point, flexible, flexible. Which guide was it? In the Phineas Quimby. Oh, Phineas. Phineas Quimby. And then you have the key to healing and the key to energy. Tesla. Home by Martha. The real Tesla, Nikola Tesla. Yes. The scientist. Yes. Yeah. Woo. Where he talked They're amazing. They're amazing. People really, this is a fascinating book. People really. You know, they can get it on Amazon and um, just type in the nine keys by Riz and you'll see it. I recommend it. And we're going to be talking to Riz a lot. I mean, this is going to be, we'll have him as a regular on Grief and Rebirth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell people, because now everybody wants to have a session with you and get more into you. So tell them how they can communicate with you. What is a private reading with you like? What yeah. is a circle of light workshop with you like? You know, they can't uh, be with you in person as you channel. They can read your book. Yes. So talk to them about that, Riz. Okay, so every Sunday night on Zoom, we have the circle of light which is where I trans-channel, where you will hear Red Eagle and Red Eagle will come to you and give you a personal message and you get to ask questions as well. And that is a group. So there'll be usually about 10 to 15 people in the Zoom chat. And it's a wonderful way to connect energies and you'll see like-minded people. But do they have to get on to your website yeah, and sign up for it? Website. It's rizmirza.com. And maybe you can see it right here under my picture, R-I-Z-M-I-R-Z-A, rizmirza.com. And you can sign up for that yourself under circle of light there's a little tab to press now private readings they're half hour and one hour they're done by phone only weekdays 10 to 6 p.m pacific standard time and you can book a session for that as well on the website and then i do one-on-one -on -one coaching so one-on-one -on -one spiritual coaching in the areas of rebirth transformation and healing grief and this is the part where we we do ongoing sessions for let's say about six weeks um, or six sessions over the course of a few months where I become your spiritual coach on the phone. And we spend an hour each time on the phone. I teach you how to open your chakras, how to develop a meditative practice while giving you messages on how you can shift some areas where you've been stuck. That's fabulous. And I'm all for un unsticking people, getting unstuck. And <laughs> um, 
and you actually will teach people how to meditate or what meditation Absolutely. is right I teach you on while we're on the phone you just put put the earbuds in and you lay down and i guide you through and it it really is one of the best ways to learn meditation is to be guided in it many people who can't meditate um can meditate when someone is guiding them through visualizations do you have any downloads or cds with your meditations on them that people could purchase or my meditations are my my talks or downloads are act well they're spiritual downloads but you can go to my youtube channel which is called the magical life and there's meditations on there and talks on different subjects from in metaphysics from channeling to mediumship to how to transform your life they're all on there and you can find me on social media as well my instagram is psychic riz the wiz and there's underscore between that so just type in psychic riz the wiz and follow me and we can connect there as well course through Facebook. That's great. And Riz, of all people in the world, you tell me what is your key for finding joy in life? My key for joining, finding joy in life is I tend to, I'm like a prankster, so I tend to find what's funny in every situation. You know, my wife says, you're like Conan O'Brien. She says, you just keep talking. Here I am for the last hour and a half talking very serious to you guys, but in my personal life, it's the, the kid in me, the 15-year-old that is alive and well, along with a 50 year old man, it's, it's making peace with the kid in you and the adult in you and letting them be friends and knowing that both have something to offer the other. That is That's a key to That's beautiful. Boy, would you love Saul. Saul and so my husband Saul, he's still around and he's a funny guy. That's funny was he? And that prankster in him. I'll tell you a story about him one day. Anyway, this has been amazing. I could talk with you for three more hours, but I think we're going to lose people, Riz. So we'll have to end it on a sweet note here. Right. I want to thank you so much because this interview is a healing gift for all of us. And I really hope everyone will go get your book because those channeled messages from those nine spirit guides are absolutely wonderful. Hey, I'm going to go read it now, actually. <laughs> and add to it, they serve bagels in heaven, which is mine. And I believe that your wife has that copy. Uh, I will read it. You should read my, that, my, my book also. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irieweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To say the least, especially when it comes to Riz, as I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm -hmm.